Hi, Bob and Joyce listeners. In our podcast today, uh, we talk about the unexpected, the sudden surprises, and the no obvious solution moments where there's no time for a planned OD intervention. Here's a case where we looked at different ways to really create something from nothing. And the old saying, crisis creates opportunity to do some things very differently, uh, not only become the accidents that we learn from, but oftentimes the gems that we replicate again and again. Enjoy today's show. Hey, Joyce. Hey, Bob. This meeting is being recorded. Yes, it is. So, uh, uh, folks. Um, uh, Welcome. Come on in. <laughs> Listen to us. Recorded. <laughs> so. I was thinking uh, about our podcast today and something came to mind because I was thinking how long I've done OD even before I knew what it was. Yeah. Back when I was teaching in an inner city, seventh, eighth and ninth grade school, which (laughs) you can come back and talk to because I did some great stuff. Um, But I was thinking how I was in charge of training social workers for the state of Illinois. And I was relatively new to the job when my boss told me that I was in charge of the certification or the training that the assessment that they have to take every year to go, yeah, 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 I'm okay to do this. And he was, I didn't know if he was just sloppy or hated me. I couldn't tell. (laughs) (laughs) I really couldn't. And he said, and so you'll have about mm, 575 social workers coming in two different you know, batches in the next, uh, well, I'm mean, actually next month. And I went, Wah. and he said, and we used our training budget on X, Y, Z. So we have not much money at all. And so I let, said, what am I supposed to do? Well, let me see if I can size this up. So you're relatively new to the job. Yep. Uh, you have a boss that, that kind of just casually says, oh, we've got, and I love the way he used 250 batches like somehow yeah. they were units yeah. coming in as opposed yeah. to human beings. Uh, they're going to come in and their expectation is they get the learning to be recertified. Um, and no, oh, by the way, I already spent your budget. That is that kind of the context? Yes. And I think he was saying, oh, they all pass anyway. It doesn't really matter. Um, but because I was new and scared, it made me get sweaty. Like, of course it matters. Um, And so I really checked out whether it was true, what he said, and it was all true. And he said, well, you know, you can talk to him about all of that. Well, I really wasn't at that point a trained social worker. So I did what I thought was natural to do. I sent out an assessment to say in all the areas on the test, I had never even seen the test. Where do you think you are solid and have expertise to share? And two, where are you weak on a topic and would love to be better prepared for the test? And I made it that simple because it was a lot of people. And um, then I, along with the help of two other social workers, because the hard part was dividing people into teachers and learners on different topics and finding time schedules for them. So the logistics of planning were tricky. And, but they were two great women I worked with. We laughed our way through it. That's my biggest piece of advice for OD people under pressure. And we set up mini classrooms all around a huge, almost a football field size um, 
room. Yeah. And, you know, flip charts galore with different topics and times on them and some breakout rooms. And I um, said, similar to open space technology, I said, go to a classroom. If you get after 10 minutes, you go, I know this, move on to another. Yeah. And, um, and that doesn't mean the person teaching is lousy. It means you don't need this learning, but you didn't yeah. know you didn't need it. So I, you know, set it up pretty carefully before I broke them into groups. And then they just kind of went berserk. They, they went to, <laughs> meaning they, if you looked at it, you'd say, this is a mess. And it wasn't. It wasn't. They passed the test. They had a ball that it increased engagement like crazy. It increased connection among them. And it was just a win. And my boss could have killed me. Well, I, I have. So I've got a lot of questions. I'm sure yeah. our listeners do. The, the, the first that comes to mind, a lot of times when someone knows they've got to present to a large group or even a small group, it causes some level of anxiety. Did, did you, once a person said, hey, I feel very comfortable and competent in this area, did you kind of set the expectation beforehand that they would be asked to share? Oh, yeah. Okay, so they knew they had- Yeah, no, 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 I went back and said, you, given your expertise and given the needs of others, you'll be teaching this four times in a row. And what got complicated is if they were teaching and also wanted to go learn. Yeah. And we wrestled with that- on paper galore and finally said, you know what? If you think you know it, leave the class and self-organize. Okay, so I'm gonna, really? this is gonna test your memory. Did you give any kind of guidelines, like no uh, uh, no slides, not that they had slides back then, but they had those overhead projectors. I mean, did you give them any room <laughs> or I'm, or? I'm, I'm granny, I do. Okay, <laughs> so it was totally. Uh, no, it was fluid. It was whatever they wanted to do and most, stuck to the darn flip chart. Flip charts are great. So why was your boss cuckoo? I don't know. I think he was wanting to move on to something else. And um, he was very beyond laissez-faire, that's all. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and he was, kind of, he was sort of likable. And it, he had hired three of us at the same time. And we just turned into the musketeers. And uh, and I should have known because earlier he said, I'm bringing in a group of 25 social workers and you need to talk to them, uh, teach them developmental stages of kids from birth to age 15. And I went, okay. I have what you, well, you know, I divided them up. I said, who, I didn't divide them up. I said, okay, we're going to talk about developmental stages. Who has experience with kids zero to one? And yeah. I, they came up and I interviewed them. And that's how we did it. That is cool. Now, I, I thought maybe his his going a little crazy was the fact that he expected you to be the kind of talking head at the front of the room lecturing and as opposed to... Uh, I don't think he cared. I, I do care. think that the three of us had gotten a lot of attention yeah. for our vitality and engagement and creativity. And I think he was going, hey, you think you're so good? Here's this. Okay, so you, you talked about that the end, uh, the outcome was good. People loved it. They were engaged. They passed, got their yeah. certification. Yeah. Um, take, I mean, how did you feel uh, on the morning of, or, I mean, you literally hadn't done something like this. It was being thrust upon you. Well, what gave you the courage to, to jump in? Desperation. Okay. What was I going to do? 
Yeah, yeah. What are going to do? <laughs> uh, and trust in people and trust in learning. And I was actually pretty excited that by the time we, that with, remember, there were three of us doing this to get it. Um, once it was set up, the room and the excitement and people, when they were asked to teach, came really ready. And these, there were some great social workers with 20 years of experience that had never been asked to share their knowledge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so. Yeah. You, um, and I think uh, you were a part of a group that coined the expression, um, humble teacher, proud learner. I mean, that's a great example of it. Mm -hmm. uh, it really mm -hmm. is. And the other one was everyone teach one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah the, the um, yeah, I did. And we can come back to this another time. I did create a model for the learning organization and how it works. This is the thing where, and, and I've got great material on that that we can offer. This is one when I took it to the chairman of the board <laughs> of the whole shebang who said, Joyce, you've created a Taj Mahal. <laughs> I said, I got excited. He said, well, go get bored. Go get bored and come back with a, a, a more simplified version. Yeah, so, I, I've yeah. got an example um, that it's a totally different context, uh, but, it, but I think it gets at uh, some of the desperation that you may feel about how to pull something off Mm -hmm. uh, and at the same time, kind of leaned into uh, the group that you were bringing together to, to okay. figure it out for themselves. I was, um, uh, and I think we may have shared, or I may have shared this, probably one of the most excruciating um, experiences that I had in HR was when I, along with an entire leadership team, had to hold a secret about oh. who was purchasing uh, oh. our stores. And uh, it was a uh, an experience where you know uh, you know the the vendor community were smelling something. Employees were hearing things locally, uh, and everything and, is always known. Oh yeah, yeah. So that that's kind of what I'm saying. I mean, mm -hmm. something was happening, and yet this group of 35, 40 leaders had to. Um, lead with integrity, but honor and honor, not but, and honor uh, the demands that uh, both the business legally um, in terms of the sale was putting on us. And uh, th there was a lot of chaos and people feeling powerless. Uh, and who, so- Who felt powerless? Um, that, those 40 people or I, the- Yeah, that's a great question. I think the people that were on the front lines so if I'm back in my corporate office, we all knew what was going on and we could kind of share and, and it wasn't a big issue. But if you were in front of your employees or you were doing hiring uh, and you knew that this store was going to be sold in three months, yeah. how, do you, how do you carry that? So I was asked uh, as kind of the HROD guy um, to bring this group together. And I was given kind of carte blanche. We, yeah. we just need to kind of hold this group together yeah. over the next four months until yeah. things get announced. And uh, people used to refer to it as the uh, Friday meetings from hell. <laughs> yeah. But we brought a group of 40 um, leaders together. These were district managers, specialists, 
yeah. uh, buyers, um, you know, different. And said, essentially said, leak here, don't leak out there. Well, it's funny. And this is where uh, it was, I think, very similar to what you shared uh, with your story. I didn't have a tight agenda. Uh, mm -hmm. I really came at it from really two vantage points. So for you that drove here today, what is most worrying you about what's happening right uh -huh. now? Uh -huh. And what do we need to do to support you? Yeah. And, and at the same time, I would turn to the top two or three leaders in the division and say, what's important that we share with this group based on what we know now? Uh -huh. Uh -huh. And what are the questions we need to be asking so we fully understand their circumstance. Mm -hmm. And it was a, it was a four hour meeting. Uh, you know, usually uh, our president or VP of operations would kind of share the state of where we are and what was going on. Mm -hmm. Here's what I can tell you. Here's what I don't know or can't tell you. Yeah. And, and then people in small breakout groups brainstorm what, what do they need to feel supported? What are the issues they're dealing with? Yeah. Um, and, and the sharing uh, was powerful. And I don't think it made things perfect by no means, but people felt that they weren't in it alone and left with some tools, uh, with some phrases. I mean, the one thing I loved about our vice president, he, would, he was a teacher and he would often use his words and his perspective uh -huh. for others in the room to say, hey, that sounds good to me. Uh -huh. uh, you know, I'll, I'll kind of put it through my own voice, but get a it, sentence ready. Yeah, get a sentence ready. So, you know, I, I, and I think what was key in both of our examples, it wasn't about what we wanted people to know as much as what is it they needed, in your case, to pass the test, in our, my case, to be able to go back and and feel um confident and comfortable uh you know carrying the burden of this yeah. uh secret yeah. and in mine it was different because of the content it validated how much certain people knew who never got a pat on the back for knowing it you know yeah. a 25 year old i mean a 25 year employee was teaching how to enter a violent home you know so that part was an extra bonus. Yeah, for sure. But, you know, I think we did so much of, of um, I think really great things come out of a moment that demands a different model. Yes. You can't tweak. And, and, and if you are brave enough, uh, or if you're not, pull in a bunch of people. I, we always conferred when, <laughs> at least I did when I was scared. But I, but I trusted it so much. I know that it worked. I mean, I, I taught seventh, eighth, and ninth graders in a racially angry school system. And I had 35 kids in each class, sixth, seventh, and eighth graders. Yeah. And traditional was not going to work. It was just not going to work. And I immediately placed all the chairs in a circle around the room and turned them to the wall on the first day yeah. and said, you have to be here. I hate that. I want you to be here. So don't be here until you want to be here. And <laughs> I'll know that you want to be here when you turn your chair around. Oh, I'd love it. 
And that's how we started. And so then I would do, give a lesson and I would answer the lesson. And they were laughing pretty soon because I was saying, okay, nobody turned their chair around. So I'm going to be the teacher. Now I'm going to be the student. <laughs> <laughs> and I would read out loud something from a book. And then I'd say, what was your reaction to that? And I'd say, I thought it was pretty boring. And then their ears would pop up. But um, I also created homework pods. Yeah. Where everybody helped everybody else do homework. These kids were not given much chance of anything. And to see how much they came up with was amazing by creating the structure for allowing talent to emerge. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I, I just did that. I, I teach an entrepreneurial class with uh, three other co-facilitators. And uh, in the past, we would have one of us be kind of the homework cop. So we would go in, we could do it online. We would go in and check people's work every week to see if they were on track. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it just didn't work. It was exhausting. People felt checked on uh, and, and it didn't really help the productivity. We created homework partners. So it was four of the students and one of the facilitators. And it was amazing how well it worked. So the whole idea of trusting, don't overstructure, yeah. Um, you know, so here's a question. Give people choice. Give people choice. So here's a question I have for you. Um, given what's happening right now with, with the workplace shifting and the questions about, you know, coming back in person or coming back with a hybrid or should I come back given, can you think about using this approach given what I think a lot of our HR, OD, internal practitioners are facing right now. Can you think of a, an example or two? Sure, why not? Can you blur yeah. it out? Because I think that it's great to tell these stories, but how can, you know, given the context of our world today, what okay. would be a good example? Yeah, why don't you start? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, I think... So, I, I will. Okay, I'm going to give you one, but I'm going to hold you to to give oh, one as okay. we as we right. close yeah. out and give practical advice. Uh, yeah. So if if I think about the very question I asked about how do we how do we bring the workforce uh, back uh, in a way that is uh, perhaps different than during the pandemic and different than before, and I think a lot of companies are wringing their hands trying to figure out what is the new policy going forward yeah, and putting structure to it and figuring out, you know, how do you do it in a way that quote unquote is fair to everyone. And I think that would be a great uh, time to once again, similar to what you did and I did to bring a group together. Throw it say, to them. Throw it to know. as many as you can have those that want to work home, those that don't come, put them in different groupings of up, yeah. to, 12, up to 12 for Zoom, I would say. And if some are in the office, that's fine. But um, I, I, depending on the size of the company, I would want to do a huge sample of how do we make this work? What would make it fair? They would, they would know. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, I don't know. I have some ideas. First of all, don't let Zoom or um, distance stuff feel like distance. Yeah. Assume there are, it's like, assume there are no buildings of any kind. You're just a bunch of floating people. How are you going to come together and do what you need to do? Don't let the bricks and mortar be a barrier. 
They're not. I've done team building things with Zoom and it's just fine. You know, if, if you're good at facilitating and if, yeah, and if you can set the environment, right? Yeah, so I think that, I, I mean, in both cases, it shifts the burden from you having to have the training and the answers for this group coming in yeah. or me as the head of HROD with this division saying, okay, now hear this, here's right. what we have to do to get this done right. Can you think of uh, perhaps another example? You're, if you feel your feet are on fire, I'm holding your feet to the fire. Can you think of another example of- Well, we, we, did, it so, we did it so frequently. Um, always giving quote the power to the people. I mean, I'm thinking when I, when I, I we did those 2,500 vision meetings or, you know, of, of about 300 to 400 people a meeting, bringing in the store managers to do the facilitation and people would go, they can't do the facilitation. They don't know that. We know how, we know how to do that. There weren't enough of us. And all you had to do, you know, they really were getting really scared till I say, pretend it's your house. And it's you, it's, you have people in your home and you, they haven't met each other and you want them to have a good time at your house. You're a host, host yeah. the damn table. And um, anyhow, that's kind of another example. Yeah, well, no, it's the, good. The it's open good. space technology where we had people, 300 people. Oh yeah, come in and simply say, what's the most important thing for the people in this room to talk about? And different people would pick up a stake. We had stakes with a sign on it and write their topic. And we went till nobody else owned a stake. And when they did, we said, disperse people and everyone follow the air, the conversation you want to be in. And I think we structured it sort of in that I rang a bell at an hour at 90 minutes and said, switch topics. And they kept notes once again on the wonderful flip chart. And if the, if the person who said, I wanna talk about hiring suddenly wanted to go to something else, he just, he or she would hand the stake to somebody else. Yeah, and they carry it. It was the question or the topic that structured the, the group, so. Yeah. So, so what, what I like about this topic, so we're, we're kind of in the closing of the conversation. Um, well, I thank God. I wonder what else you were going to ask me. <laughs> well, what, I, what I'm taking away is this is a nice blend of, of HR in terms of dealing with practical, real issues. It's training and development. So how do you create learning uh, that, that lasts? Uh, and then certainly OD, how do you set up uh, a process that reinforces the culture that you want. It's, it's a great process that you laid out for us today. Huh. <laughs> Brilliance. Brilliance, Joyce. Oh, boy. <laughs> so I need, a, I need you to drop one big fat last pearl on oh, our. <laughs> no pressure, Joyce. I'm glad you said pearl. When in doubt, give it to the people. Oh, when not God. in doubt, give it to the people. Don't make that feel too slow or too heavy. Do it. When nothing else is working, give it to the people. We okay, Joyce. Irrelevant. <laughs> <laughs> Till the next time. Say goodbye, Joyce. Yep, 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 yep. I do whatever Bobby says. Bye-bye. <laughs>
Thank you for joining us on the Bob and Joyce podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode and picked up an idea or two to go forward and do great work. For more information, please visit us at bobandjoyce.com. If you like today's podcast, please click subscribe. And even better, give us a quick review on Apple Podcasts. It supports us and helps others to find the show. If you'd like more ODHR content, please follow us on Facebook by searching for Bob and Joyce Podcast. Until the next time, be well and be safe.